don't know. I'm in my squeaky chair. Give me a second. All right, all right. I've uh, got my office set up to the point now where I have two chairs at all times, my podcast chair and my regular chair. <laughs> because your regular chair is too squeaky to podcast in? Um, it's not the worst. I, it's, it's probably not that bad, but I, I just think that I could do better with the other chair. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, better to not squeak, I suppose. It would really bother me after the fact. Yeah, tough editing. Speaking of audio, you sound different and fantastic. Okay, I was wondering if I sounded any different to you. No, you uh, definitely, definitely sound more, more vibrant, uh, a little bit deeper, darker. Deeper and darker, yes. Um, so yeah, I got a new microphone. I, before uh, the previous two episodes of the show were recorded on the um, trusty Apple earbud microphones that are just in line in the headphones that you can use to like take phone calls and stuff. I had just plugged them into my Mac and that's how I was recording. But now something different is happening. I've got these this um, Audio Technica some kind of microphone as recommended as the number four choice by Marco Arment, podcaster, app maker Marco Arment. Um, and I found an Amazon gift card and I decided to pull the plug on, pull the trigger on it. So here it is. Well, very nice. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, I guess part of this show is talking about our experience, and the podcast is a good part of it. So yeah, our setup right now is pretty basic, though I think it's working well for us. I yeah record here, and I have I have an Audio Technica mic as well. It's not the same one you have. I don't know the difference. Yours, I don't I don't really know. Yours maybe is more musician recording. It seems like I don't know. Just looking at them, maybe. we can put the models in the show notes so people can compare. Since we don't really know on the cover on the cover of my box, there is a music a rock star using this microphone, but also. A woman sitting at a very dated computer using it. That's a weird... I would not have guessed that, actually. If you would have asked me, like, a top five photos that I would guess were used as stock art, I would have guessed the rock star, but would not have guessed the lady at her dated computer. Oh, but speaking of dated computer, there is also... This computer made an appearance in last episode. There is a 2006 or so era 15-inch MacBook Pro also pictured on the box. Oh, there you go. That's not too bad. I Like I said, I did radio through college extensively. You needed radio as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this microphone I have from Audio-Technica, we needed to do some audio recording for a project at work years ago, and it was on sale, so we got it at that point. I don't really remember how much I looked into it, but it's a... I thought USB you were going to microphone. say that you you stole it from the source. No, I did not. We bought it off Amazon. Which is our college radio yeah, station. Yes, the source 95.1 WVUR. No, I didn't. I, I think it's more of a broadcast mic. The only I don't remember the real difference between any of the microphones technically, but I do know that the style you have is maybe more called a stage style. Would you describe it that way? Whereas this one's more of a broadcast style where it's more of a tall cylindrical microphone whereas yours is kind of a bulb on the handle yeah mine is like when you when you think of a microphone this is kind of what it looks like yeah and mine's more of a taller microphone that um you would never handle mine with your you never hold mine in your hand and walk around with it ever Mm -hmm. whereas yours theoretically if it was like on a stage you could pick it up and walk around yeah so to speak move around the stage so all right that's enough enough microphone talk we'll see how if it sounds different to you at home and to me also. From a technical standpoint, we're using Audio Hijack to record the audio. We do what's traditionally called a double-ender recording, though we haven't necessarily used it with the with the Apple headset, though I'm curious how it'll go this week, and I guess next week I can report back on my editing technique. Yeah. But we're both recording ourselves individually in Audio Hijack uh, Pro for the Macintosh, and then I take those audio tracks and mix them together um, in Adobe Audition. So that's my edit tool of choice, and it works out well. They do take a while, though. Like, it's probably taken me about three hours an episode so far that is a that's a significant time investment i'm very out of practice so i think that that's a good a good 35 percent of that time so i'm but that still leaves quite a bit gotta make it sound good for our listeners out there which has gone well so yeah let's talk let's talk about um we're gonna stay a little inside baseball and get to the get to the bands eventually but let's talk about this podcast in terms of like what have we heard about it? What are we learning about it in terms of people listening? So I guess we're just being transparent here. We're using a new service called fireside.fm to host our podcast and manage it. That is not a secret. Um, you can see it if you go to the RSS feed. I'm not sure how much we can talk about the service exactly. It is 
It is a website that's hosted and managed by Dan Benjamin, who runs the 5x5 network, which is a very popular podcast network that he's run for a long time. I started getting into him when we graduated college, so it's been at least six or seven years now that he's done podcasts more or less full-time. And he's built a CMS, content management system, a portal of sorts to host podcasts. So we're like, I don't know the numbers, obviously, because I'm in the Slack group and it's not super active, but it's not inactive either. We're probably one of like, I don't I don't even want to estimate the numbers because it's obviously a handful. It's not a large number of people. It's a very restricted beta. Uh, it's very well polished for the state of which it's in, but we're relatively early on. I love it so far for the editing um, of the show. When it comes to the show notes, he's got a sweet bookmarklet to do the the show URLs. I'm not sure how much of it we can really talk about, and I don't want to do that without clearing it with Dan since it's kind of very early beta, but so far so good. We do have some numbers both from him and from Google Analytics, which I'm not sure I actually shared with you, but I've been, uh, the Fireside client has a way for me to enter in my own Google Analytics data. Oh. So I can take his listening metrics, but also our own, I guess I can take our own web viewership stats. Ah, interesting. I think I've shared that with you. If I've not, let me know and I will verify that. Uh, But we do have a Google Analytics page and they seem to correlate pretty well with his listening numbers. I think through our first two episodes, we've had, it looks like about 200. We have a lot of listens that I know are John and I testing it across a couple of things. So I'm discounting those. Subtract John and I, and I think we're just over 200 or so listens to the podcast. Yeah, which is exciting. Yeah, that's a good number. I would have been happy with that if you told me it two weeks ago. Our web stats, which I just looked at the first time minutes before the show because John added the podcast stats or analytics to the show notes i took a look at them and they seem to collaborate those numbers or corroborate them and it looks like we've got about 200 viewers that don't come from either directly assigned to you in st louis or myself in valparaiso so that seems good so far yeah so anyways let's just keep on keep on trucking i guess yeah so feedback's been good we had Friend of the show, I guess long time college, I guess long ago college friend, Jeff Lang sent me a DM on Twitter. He really liked it. So that was really cool to hear from a a friend that I haven't talked to in a bit that he likes the show. I joked with him though, John, I don't think I told you this either, but I talked to Jeff. He had mentioned, he'd listened and he said he liked it and it was really good. And I told him that he was our ideal listener when we were discussing this. Like he was the person we we're like, if Jeff Lang doesn't listen to this, we're not, there's no audience. I mean, he was the person that would like this show, right? Yeah. 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 I think that's true. We, we hit the target audience and he seemed to be liking it. So we got Jeff. We got him. So that's the podcast update so far. A couple hundred listeners. We're excited to continue, keep trucking along, I suppose, with the podcast. It's been maybe the most fun for us. Yeah. And so it's been eight days since we recorded our last episode and, uh, some things have happened since then, I guess. We have. So if you remember last time we talked, We were in the process of myself and John both receiving the first sets of bands. We're going to call the set I got first batch one. Does that make sense? The first ones that arrived were batch one. A day later, the second set arrived, batch two to John. So last episode, we talked about our initial first impressions of both batch one and batch two. But at that time, we each only received one half of the bands. And so in that, the last eight days, we have shipped off the bands to each other. So we've each had a chance to experience parts of both batches at this point. John received my bands and I received his. And so this will be our initial feedback on both both halves, I suppose. Yeah, so I'll go first, I guess. I have, because I have less to talk about, I think. Um, I had, Cameron sent me one band that is a 42 millimeter red band with the black pin, the space gray pin. That's black, let's just call it a black pin. And... I do not have a 42 millimeter watch. I've learned some things. I can, it looks silly, but you can put a 42 millimeter strap on a 38 millimeter watch. It stays in place. It just looks a little silly because you got like these two wingtips hanging out on the lugs where the watch meets the, um, the band. So like I can wear it, but I'm not going to wear it outside the house because it looks ridiculous. But so the main things I can talk about is feel. And from my impression, they feel different, these two bands, in your hand. Not wearing them, they feel pretty much the same on your wrist. But in the hand, yours has the batch one sample that I got has like a softer and almost like a more textured feel to it. Like not velvety, but like it has some kind of texture and softness to it as compared to the batch two bands which i received first and have more of and in the proper size which is more of a soft not soft it's like a harder smoother plastic i think um so that's one thing that i noticed as a difference um and also i had to compare it to uh i had received i've 
a year ago or so, bought a different knockoff red watch band that is in the proper size for me, but is a um, has the standard uh, silver pin. And comparing those two just color-wise, because we were looking at like what do different reds look like, um, they're almost the same color. So that's something I noticed as well, that whatever two random samples of red, they're pretty similar. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, other than that, it seems like a good band. The uh, the pin works. The um, lugs look like they might be in a little bit more consistent shape. I mean, just based on this one unit than the ones that I uh, then batch to. I don't know. I'd be happy with this band if it were something that were shipped to me. So I'm going to expound upon your... Let's talk about the, the silicone first. Yeah. I've obviously got one of each now as well. So while you were talking, I'm going to do a weird interaction that makes no sense for radio, but I have the white band with the black pin from both sets, and I'm holding them under my desk so I can't see them. Okay. Oh, interesting. A blind test of sorts. The best way I can describe this, and this is maybe inside Apple Baseball, but probably familiar to anyone who follows anything iPhone or the Apple Watch. If I had to describe the difference between the two without, you know, in, in a very quick analogy that would be easy to describe to someone who's listening to the show, the first sets, batch one that I received, would be similar to the new iPhones, the Jet Black, the grippier iPhone 7 Jet Black, if you felt that, and the batch two that John got would be closer to the regular black, the matte black, and have less of a grippy feel. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's described in a way that neither is necessarily good or bad. I'm not sure one is necessarily better or worse. They're just two distinctly different feelings. So when you take one in your hand and you just kind of like pinch it together, you're just rubbing it, you know, up and down your fingers like you would like a piece of fabric or something or a scarf. The one in batch, the batch one band has definitely that i received first the batch one band that i received first definitely sticks to your fingers better than the batch two one that john received however that is an awesome feature to have when you have an iphone that you're holding in your palm i'm not sure it matters for better or worse when you have it wearing around your wrist all day yeah that seems to be my my analogy or my reading is that it is different i'm not sure it matters However, if I had to hold one in my hand and just ha- have it, I think I like batch two, the ones you got first, better. I like the feeling of them better. Mm-hmm. They feel they feel like less like silicone and more of like I'm not sure what the material would be, but it definitely feels better to me as a general feel. Though I would be happy with either. Neither of them are bad. They're just different. I like um yes I I think I agree that I like my silicone a little bit better, having not worn the ones that you got the batch one much. Um, I also like the pins better on the ones that on batch two. If you look at them, I don't know if you'd notice a difference when wearing them. We should include one of your photos of this in the show notes. The head of the pin, like the part that actually snaps into place that's a little bit wider at the top, is like a little bit larger and more bulbous on the uh, batch two bands than the batch one. It's like rounded like a mushroom on top a little bit. Whereas the batch one is more like a, I don't know, a flat, uh, like a screw head, but like flatter and no screw. This is a terrible way to describe this. We'll put a picture in about the difference between the two heads. There's a sharper edge around the batch one pin uh, head. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely sharper and more distinct. And I think I, I would agree. I think I like the your batch better of that. Not that it really matters a whole lot. I don't think personally, but I, I, if I had to pick one, I would choose your batch. Well, during so while we've been talking, I've been just snapping these in and out of place a lot of times on both the bands. And I think the fatter head, the batch two head, um, snaps a little bit. I like I like the way I think the the tactile feel of the snap is a little bit better than it is on the like there it's a because of the head is fatter there's a little bit once you get it into place it's a little snugger whereas on batch one i feel like there's a little bit of give between like there's a little more wiggle room between the the band and the pin head that makes it feel a little bit less snug i don't know if i think this is something you would not notice at all when wearing it but just like the action of pinning it together or buttoning it if you will I think is better on batch two than batch one. Uh, a significant difference. So yesterday we, re- I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday I received your batch. So I've had a chance to wear the natural color, I suppose, or the off white mm-hmm. color, which you mentioned. And I think it looks fantastic. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but all day today. So I wore that one last e- yesterday afternoon to evening. And then today I've been wearing the sky blue color. 
all day. And the one thing I've noticed, I've only taken the... Now, I'll clarify that yesterday, I guess last night when I was sitting around watching some baseball, I was taking this thing on and off probably a dozen times, more so than you would ever use normally. Mm -hmm. And same today as well. I've been doing it more frequently, but not hundreds of times, but at least a couple dozen, which is more than you would ever do in a single day. Right. The best part of the second batch, and I don't know how... I'm trying to think of the actual words I would use to describe this. The first set that I had received, I think the silicone had a little bit less... The silicone was maybe a bit more rigid in the sense that you take the band, you take your Apple Watch, and what you do is is you wrap, you put the watch on the top of your wrist, and then you use your other hand to grasp the top half of the clasp and then pin the bottom half into place, correct? Um, yeah, I'm going through the motion right now. Yeah, you pin it first, and then you take the back strap and you slide it under. You tuck it in under the top half of the strap. Which is why they call it a pin and tuck enclosure. I guess this is a common watch technique or discussion, pin and tuck. I think the first set that I received was a bit more rigid in the sense that I found when I grabbed the bottom half of the band to tuck it into the enclosure, this was much more of an issue the first couple times I I used the band. And it kind of worked into place, but I would find that the pin would unsnap itself as I tried to tuck it into the enclosure. Mm, yeah. As I wore the band in a bit, it became less and less of an issue. But for the first at least 10 to 20 times I used the first the first set of bands, when I clasped it, it would unclasp as I went to tuck. I actually got in the habit of holding my thumb down on the pin. Not great. And that would prevent it, but not something I did with the other band. With the second set I received yesterday, I've not had to do that once. I've never had that issue. It seems like a lot of things are coming out pro second set right now. Yeah, that was kind of my initial impression. And as I talk about it, I think I definitely agree. So they feel maybe lighter. The second set maybe feels lighter. I think they are. It's marginal. I'm not sure it's a, a significant issue. If you're a ultra marathoner or something, maybe that quarter ounce difference would really matter. But when you're wearing it, you don't notice. the. So that's how the, the silicone feels. That's how the pin works. So I think from a silicone perspective, batch two is a win. From the from the pin perspective, one important note for both, it seems like the pins, which was a, we talked about this last week, a question we both had, the pins definitely seem anodized. I mean, we're not probably anodization experts, but from every... I definitely am not an anodization expert. I would like to go on the record. I would never state that I was an anodization expert. At college, in college at Valparaiso University, my minor was anodization, not my major, so it's kind of something I've... A hobbyist. Yeah, but these definitely, the metal isn't anodized. It's not painted from everything i can tell on both both sets i might be incorrect and we need to maybe do some better testing about that but it seems like there's no way i've tried to take sharp objects and do basic hardness tests i don't see them scratching easily as if it was a paint so that's an interesting thing the one difference and this is maybe for me to note that you've already experienced the set that you sent me were the, the uh, was the only set of the two that we received gold pins on so i've experienced the gold and rose gold pins on the white band so far yeah more so than i have because i never said i never took the ones out of the box that i sent to you to be honest like i looked at them i was like oh yeah there they are but i i never like got a hands-on with them so, so i don't know really if that's good or bad but i didn't on c right they're pins i would say the gold and the rose gold look better to me than the black almost i'm almost i saw the gold so this is going to be a silly admission but i will <laughs> tell you I almost considered getting the gold band for, or the gold watch for the Series 2. And then I realized how stupid that would or ridiculous that would be. Like, I don't wear anything that would match with gold ever. Yeah. And I thought it would be a cool luxury to have for like a day. And then I'd be like, oh, that was dumb. I should have gotten black. Black is definitely, you know, it goes with everything. That was kind of my thought is I wouldn't have any issue. Whereas gold, I thought would be an issue. But I'm not going to lie. Seeing this pin and thinking of the potential of the different bands made me really second guess that decision. I looked at the picture you posted on our Instagram of the gold things and I thought, that looks like so we've spent a long time last episode talking about the difference between black and space gray and i don't think we need to talk about that anymore but i saw this difference between this like gold and what the apple sport watch the apple sport gold is not gold at all it is not it is more of a compared to like that which like looks like it's actually gold like it could be made out of gold i don't know i would agree with you i will plead ignorance here in that i've 
seen the rose gold and the gold Apple Watches, but I've not spent enough time with either to be a color expert like we are with the black versus space gray question. From my initial impression, not being an expert of any of them, I would agree with you that this one looks more metallic. I guess it looks shinier. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Like I said, I've not put enough hands-on. If you look at the, the pin under the band, so obviously you have the pin, the part that goes through the band and kind of latches into place, and then under that is the a larger circle that kind of anchors it. You know, that's what keeps the pin from falling through the band. The underside of the pins definitely look at least closer to what I would expect, but I'm not sure. Yeah. My thought was is that sometime before we were to buy these in bulk, I would go run to an Apple store and eye them very closely and in fact try to see if they'd let me test one on. I don't know if they would do that. I I think Apple would not, but I know at least one person who has a rose gold one that I was going to try to get a good hands-on with and then the gold one similarly I was going to try to take to a store or something and see. I think this clearly falls in the same realm what we discussed last week and that it is not necessarily the Apple aluminum gold or the aluminum rose gold but it is better than silver yes i agree with that and we're spending a lot of time talking about something that we're not going to have for like a a long time no but we're adamant that the details need to be as close as possible to what they should be and i yeah again i just am not an expert but they they look fantastic and i'm not gonna lie it looks i tried wearing the gold one with the black band for no reason last night and i was like man this even looks good i don't know why it's stupid it makes no sense but it looks good so and also just in case you're wondering these the gold and the rose gold pins are both on white bands in the samples that we received which again look fantastic i mean any color really looks do. good on a white band like yeah. it just anything like it kind of pops a little bit stands out but once you see it i think that's our uphill battle is that i think if people were to have one of these in their hands they would they would never want to wear the regular white with silver pin again i mean and this is our your comparison photo which is on our instagram page at tone bands on instagram got 17 likes that's our most popular it is our most popular oh no it isn't we had one that got 20 likes man we could we do some work on instagram i think i i'm i am sincerely convinced though that after using these personally to anyone who does not have a silver apple watch you can poo poo the idea or say it's silly and no one cares and i guess you've had these for a couple days john can we agree that this was something that I had the idea of. And, and initially, when we talked about this like four weeks ago, three weeks, I guess it's only been like three weeks. You had told me, I think, and I don't think you're offended by this, that you have a, a band that has a silver pin and it's not a big deal to you initially. Yes. But you could see why people would be interested in that. That was kind of your perspective. Yes. And I will say that my perspective has changed. I will still wear my yellow band with the silver pin and be happy enough with it. But I would be have an extreme level of dissatisfaction buying future bands that did not have black pins. I would ag- I mean obviously I was being over the top when I initially said that I would never want to wear a silver pin on a black band. I knew that that was a realistic situation that would occur. But after having them agreed for both sets, either set, I am happier with those and I think I would be with the equivalent cover band or I'm happier with all of these samples, regardless of their batch one or batch two, than I would be with the equivalent band with a silver pin. Yes. No question about it. So in that way, this is a good product because we are we like it. We're making progress. Like obviously we know that there are we still need to test the quality and there are other concerns we have of longevity and stuff like that. But first impressions from both sets of bands was no matter which set we went with, we would be happier with those than what is currently on the market. So there's one other thing I want to talk about before we kind of jump away from talking about the bands completely. But let's talk about the lugs. As a reminder, the lugs are the part of the band that are on each end and then connect to the Apple Watch. So they they slide into the Apple Watch and then on the bottom of the Apple Watch, there's a little button you can press. You press that and you can release the band from being locked into place. I'm going to go first on the lugs and we'll probably, I think this is maybe the most important part. You don't see the lugs, but they're the only thing that matters in terms of whether or not they you can use a band. I was going to say they're the unsung heroes of the watch band because if the lugs don't work, the band is broken. More so than Correct. any other part of the band, really. Yeah, it's a it can be a disaster if the lugs are broken. So go first. I have not had the opportunity to, I guess, insert and detach these new second set as much as I did with the first set. So I'm going to clearly state that right now that my opinion probably will change as I go. My initial impressions are very positive i like this second set better than the first set so batch two i like better than batch one which we maybe don't agree with completely yet but uh, let me give you my reasons one 
at least for the ones I received, I know you had issue. We we had issue with yours with one band that was missing part of its lug. Yeah, one of the less less important parts, but still a part missing. Which is a very this is a very important question of our list of questions for the suppliers, which we're gonna probably hit up next. We, we want to ask how does that happen and like what are the what's the recourse? I think we, we would have no problem catching that before it is shipped off to somebody. Yeah, we would have caught that, so no one would have received that band. I I believe how it works. However, we would still be receiving that one, and would we have to pay for that? Like, would we get a refund for our next set? We don't know that yet. So that's a very important question because we don't know the failure rate or what's the rate of which that will happen. If it's one out of a hundred, whatever. I mean, we're not going to make it a huge issue. But if it's one out of ten, then it becomes a whole different, entirely separate question where we have to really consider it. But the lug quality of the second batch I like better. If you look at the underside of the lug, the part that sits under the band, um, mm-hmm. they're both. I guess they're both metal, so they're very similar. I find that the, and this is going to be very specific, but the give. So if you take the the lug in your hand and kind of squeeze it. Uh Uh-huh. I'm doing this now. The second batch seems like a more consistent spring to me, and it feels less spongy. Does that make sense? And I don't know if that has anything to do with the success of the long term. I guess like the long term Yeah, I'm squeezing them now, and I just don't know if I feel a difference even. Like I have an Apple one and then our two batches, and I don't know. You couldn't blind tell any. I can't tell you the difference between any of them i have found that the i think batch two through just again this is maybe just me being irrational for the handful of times i've done this batch two seemed to slide in easier than the batch one and this might be something only i can experience having the 42 band with all all 42 bands with the 42 watch and you're not having the 42 watch with that one band that you were sent i have an easier time so far sliding in batch two once they're in sliding them out is about the same and they both seem to have the same level of tight fit like i don't worry about one or the other sliding out and they seem on par with any other third-party band i've used forever i've had no issues with them sliding out once i get them into place they are there and they are good to go for how whatever i need to do in my watch um i have found that sometimes i just get little weird issues either sliding them in or sliding them out um and i don't know what the reason for that is i mean some of it is might just be that like even though I do this a lot and it's a pretty easy process, like sometimes you just put it in at the wrong angle and that happens with like my regular watch band also, my Apple watch bands also. It can be a little bit of a finicky process at times and I've never had it be like, well, this isn't working for me. I'm not wearing this band. Like it always works, but sometimes I feel like I do have to work at it a little bit on the batch two bands, which are the only bands that I wear on a daily basis. One of the things I found in the last week, and I will try to remember to link this in the show notes, is that Apple actually has a bit of, I guess it'd be industrial design documentation on how to make your own lugs. Oh, okay. There are specifically, I think, additionally lugs you can buy from an Apple-approved supplier. So I don't think Apple themselves manufactures them, but Apple's kind of signing off on these lugs. Oh, interesting. However, I do not believe that those lugs that they sign off on work for anything other than more of a, I want to call them like a leather or a nylon band, something where the fabric would wrap around the lug. I'm not sure that they work in like a molding like this. That makes sense. That would make sense just in general. But Apple does have documentation describing how, what the tolerances should be, the force that they should be able to withhold and stuff like that, which was getting me some questions on how do we test these. And I will try to link to that. It was very interesting and I'll share it with you because it's probably important for you to read. One of the, the toughest questions is, is that not being material scientists or not being industrial designers, there's a lot of information there, which I understand, though I would be curious as to knowing, you know, how do these things stand? I guess I understand the gist of it, but there would be more I would like to, you know, I'd like to have someone who's knowledgeable explain the document to me. Yeah. Do you know, do you know somebody who might be knowledgeable? Is there like machining guy? Is, would he be knowledgeable about this? That's a really good question. Um, I probably could find someone. I think we'd have a hard time finding someone either where you're at or I'm at in St. Louis or Valpo that has the large-scale manufacturing experience of doing this. And I think the tool set needed to test all of it is extensive. And this kind of gets into a question we had. We actually need a reader email, which we'll get into a little bit later, is how do we test this and how do we know how durable these are? So I don't want to like foreshadow completely, but... A lot of these, the manufacturers you're going with, one of the best signs on Alibaba, if they're good or bad, is they have a lot of documentation on these are the the standards that they uphold. Here are their industrial certifications, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, they they have experience kind of testing for these things and making sure that they fit whatever standards are required. So I think it's a simple answer of looking at the supplier and seeing, do they seem to have their documentation in place? Like, is this legitimate that they've passed, you know, certain standards? And Mm -hmm. if so, I guess you trust them, so to speak. 
which is hard to say until you've received, you know, a lot of bands that have gone through testing. Right, because we anybody can fake it on like a few of them, hypothetically, yes. but like you don't know until you've ordered a bunch of them if they're actually good or not. So we have to assume we have to assume that these are all their best bands. We hope they're a representative sample. Yes, we hope they're a representative sample. That we don't want them to be the best bands. We don't want them if they're if these are the worst bands, we will be doing great. These will be fantastic. Mm-hmm. If they're a representative sample, I think we're still great. You know, but yes. if these are the best, and outside of these, they fall dramatically. Well, then I mean, we don't. There's no way for us to anticipate that and even begin to you know until we get a batch of 500. There's nothing for us to even do. Right. Which is the big issue is that how how would you even begin to know that? But one of the things, and we'll talk about that later, there there are a lot of other ways we can kind of start to make basis of how how close to what we're receiving will this manufacturer actually produce. And there are some ways we can do that, so I'll talk about that later on. So overall, I guess we'll just kind of summarize. In general, we are happier with the second batch than we are the first batch. Yes. But both, if either of us were to buy these, I don't know, what we haven't even really discussed prices, and that's in a whole other episode altogether. At the price that you could get a third-party band easily, even at like close to apple prices i think i would be happy with these like none of them are so bad that i would be very upset or disappointed i agree with that the my asterisk is i just don't like spending 50 dollars on a band which is what apple's bands cost and so while i like these and would be happy with them if i decided to spend 50 dollars on them at that at like at that price point they're outside of like the oh this would be fun to buy one of these i I think i agree as well 100 percent. and we've discussed that offline and i think we'll Mm -hmm. probably have an episode of talking about that once we get to a point where we have pricing and how we determine that um but i would agree obviously i have i have one apple band that i bought when i was at the store and i just liked how it looked when a new set came out and Mm -hmm. i'm fine with it it was the it's not orange i don't it was a a weird half orange half pink color i don't know more of a salmon color that apple had done Nice. And I liked it. I almost bought a nylon band once, but they all felt like excessive and like luxuries in the same way that buying a case for your iPhone doesn't need to be the, the $70 or whatever, you know, $60 iPhone case. Right. Um, I don't see myself buying those exclusively. And in no point do I say to myself like $50 or something I just want to have for fun for my watch. Whereas I think we've both discussed like these will be priced more in line where it won't feel like you're breaking the bank. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if the prices we're, we've thought about and we haven't finalized because we don't have... It's this is I'm not skirting, I guess, to clarify as well. This is kind of a fun aside. Um, it might sound like in the podcast, John and I are skirting questions about well, what, what are these going to cost? Like, what are they going to take to make? Uh, how much am I going to pay for these if you're excited about it? Because we do have we talked about it last episode. I think we've got a good subscriber list of an email list of like 50 people that seem very excited. We've had people interested in this. You know, you have a brother in law who's very excited. So obviously, you know, you have people asking. Right. And we've had multiple listeners of podcasts. You might say, well, these guys are just leading us on. They're getting us excited, and then they're going to charge us a lot of money, and we're not going to want them. And I don't think that's either of our intention, but at this point, we're hesitant because we don't really know yet because we've not made a purchase, which includes a fixed price, and we don't know what the shipping is going to be. We haven't really even gotten into the, the pricing of the packaging as well as how are we going to ship this from me to or you to across the country. Like We don't know those prices mm-hmm. yet. Until we have those answers, which are probably weeks off, we can't really say this is good the price we're targeting or something like that. Right. We just don't know. We, we can't know. No, and I think that's fine. But so we're not we're not dancing around. So I guess we've discussed it, you and I. I think the next step would be is that we've kind of decided, and I will unanimously decide, we we may want to consider a second set of samples from the batch two supplier. Maybe a I couple agree different with colors of band just to see the color consistency, try to nail down what colors we would go with with our initial run. Because I think we mentioned this last episode, but if we do, and I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, I probably should put this in the show notes, but let's say they require us to do 1,000 or 500. We'll just do 1,000 for a round number. Yes. We have to do 1,000 of the black pin. That's the that's the minimum order quantity. Like, that's the constraint. That's not, yeah, that's, on, on this manufacturer, it's not the constraint. I don't remember the number exactly, but for round numbers, all of the manufacturers do the, the minimum order quantity based on the pin color so if we're going to do a black pin we have to buy their minimum order quantity for that pin however at least for the ones i've discussed with so far we can do multiple colors of that pin so for example we might be able to do like a white a red a blue and that we could do whatever split of that we want within that thousand um what about 38 42 splits like that additionally kind of happens the same way which we don't have numbers on that's probably something we should discuss but yeah we can do half thirty. So if we do a thousand, we could do five hundred thirty eights, five hundred forty twos. We could do a hundred thirty two white, two hundred thirty two red, two hundred thirty two blue, and the same for forty twos, and that equals a thousand. Okay, cool. Because that makes sense. Because I'm looking at these right now. The difference, the thirty eight and the forty two watch bands, the pins are the same size. Like 
Correct. It's the exact same pin between the two of them. One of the important details we need to learn and we need to discuss is from a third-party band manufacturer perspective, and this is something from my experience, when you buy a third-party band for an Apple Watch, you typically come with one, they come with two pieces. So there is the part that connects, both parts connect to the watch. When you buy a higher-end band or an Apple band, so to speak, you usually get three pieces. You get the clasp and pin part of the band, and then you get the other and the tail end of the band, which comes in two sizes, a small and a large. And so we need to discuss, it's possible to do both, but that raises our prices, which given the significant increase in that extra piece, probably significantly increases our prices, at least a couple dollars. Mm-hmm. And I think most people buying will know what size they are. Will basically fit the same sizes that Apple ships with their watch. Yes, because these are the same sizes that Apple ships with their watch. Yeah, they're about you know the same lengths. So people should know if they're small or large, and so I think that's the interesting question, which I think we need to discuss. I think we'll have another episode where we discuss sizing and what we do there. But I think, or I guess even breakdown and how we do that. But I don't know. I think we're fine shipping half. And I think if you clarify, but I think, I, I, I'm not sure. We haven't discussed, I think, specifics of that. Maybe we say it's always large or you can request. I have no idea. That's another discussion. We need to look at what other people are doing and discuss that a bit more. But that's kind of how they ship. The prices, the standard base prices we're looking at all include only one half or the two pieces as opposed to three. But yeah, I think we get a second order maybe from the batch two suppliers. One of the things we did not discuss, which I think we discussed last week and I think we kind of talked about a lot, was the packaging that came with batch two. So batch one had no packaging, so to speak. They came in plastic bags. Batch two, which is the one we kind of have said we kind of think is better, comes with these boxes that are all right boxes for us being first time distributors. They're more than sufficient. I would be happy if I received this. Are they going to win a design award for product packaging? No, but they're above average. They certainly do the job. And I, I think we did talk about this a bit last episode, but they're fine. And we can do our own custom designs of them so we can do our own packaging kind of design. So they're fine. So that's another win, I think, because that also is an important part of presenting these really well. So I think we maybe do a second. I think we come up with some questions between you and I. We come up with a second batch there. And you've discussed, I think you put here in the show notes and we've talked a little bit, but you can explain having a, a maybe a third company that we get batches from or uh, run from. Yeah. So UKM reached out to like, you know, 10 different companies and you heard back from three of them, I think. We've heard back from maybe a few more, but we heard maybe back from viable. a few more than three, but out of that, about three, four, three or four, there might've been a fifth wild card, but only about three or four viable. Uh, we made two orders and then we kind of said, what's hold for now. Right. And you, there was one company that had like a silly low minimum that they were claiming. Yeah. I think they said a hundred maybe, which is much lower than either of the other manufacturers we looked at. I think we should order a set from them and then another set. I mean, at this point, I feel like we're ruling out, we have all but ruled out batch one as the bands that we're going to go with. I mean, that's a big decision, but. One of the important notices or one of the important things to note here on RN2 is that I can't I can't remember the quantities exactly off the top of my head without looking at my emails, but I'm fairly certain, like 95% certain, that batch one had a higher minimum order quantity than batch two. I think I remember that as well. So that also factors in significantly, in my opinion, because there's less risk there for a band we think is equal or better. So I would say batch one, thank you very much for your time. Batch two, maybe we want to order some more. And maybe batch three, we order like, I don't know, at least as many as we ordered in batch two, maybe even a couple more. I would agree with that. I think that that's a pretty good idea. Assuming we can get like the pricing structure that's mainly just paying for shipping. Yeah, the the second the second batch also was very flexible with the samples and I think we'll be very accommodating here with the second set as well, I think. So that's the next step. We're going to look at maybe getting we'll probably have information on that next episode. We have a couple questions. We talked about the lug quality we want to hit them with. Uh, is there any other questions that you can come up with using these? No, other than like I mean they can't tell me when these are going to break. I don't, I don't know if there are like specifications like, oh, well, these are tested to be used two or 300 times. Do, like what? I guess we could use the Apple documentation and send it to them and say, does this meet this? Uh-huh. So one of the, I don't want to say negative stereotypes, or one of the concerns that I think anyone has in the situation is, is that we're dealing with an offshore manufacturer that none of us have, none of us being you and I, neither of us have experience with. Mm-hmm. And so we're maybe a bit more concerned than we would be. But ultimately, this is like any business transaction, right? Like when you go to the store and you ask to try on a pair of pants, you like, 
like presume the pants will work and you hope they're good pants and the salesperson could tell you oh we make the best pants we buy you know this is how they're made and this is that but ultimately end of the day it's the experience you have with it that kind of facilitates whether you think it's a great experience or a great product or a bad product right and a lot of that's just anecdotal evidence you and i could have the same product we buy each have different experiences by chance and it'd be good or bad so as we're doing this we're kind of trying to take it in aggregate and say we buy 100 bands what's the minimum quantity what's the minimum quality going to be what's the highest quality going to be are these representative of what we're going to receive and is that good so far we're happy but you never know so yeah i think that that goes well and we try to get second a second follow-up set and discuss it from there the definitely the boxes i think are a big bonus because it looks just way better presentable and even if we have to order i think you said we would have to order a thousand boxes i think a thousand or so i think i don't think the whole order quantity was that high but we can save some of them they weren't that expensive whereas we could just eat the cost on some of those boxes and build that in yeah and it would be it would be okay or just save them for later um we need to discuss colors a bit more i think we maybe should go with obviously with batch two if we buy a second set of samples we should go different colors probably right because i'm not concerned about the color matching between like we have a you have like three white bands we have three white white. bands in them and they're all white yep they're all they all match or as close to matching as you could do without getting a microscope out and actually Mm -hmm. comparing quality or something like that or color you know without having a very fine microscope they all are the same color right so that's good enough for me cool so we're good there so we have a plan of attack and that's what we're gonna do in the next week uh so to wrap things up we got a few uh questions actually from listeners of the podcast or people who have been keeping up with our project which is awesome yeah and we appreciate that and if anybody has questions always feel free to email us at contact at tonebands.com uh, that'll be in the show notes or obviously reach out to us on social media and we are available there as well. Um, but if you have questions, yeah, if you have an email question, as John mentioned, contact at tonebands.com, T O N E B A N D S. So tonebands.com contact at tonebands.com. Best way to email us. Uh, if you have a question that's happens to be under 140 characters, or if you can fit it into two or three succinct tweets, you can get to us on Twitter at gettonebands.com. So get T-O-N-E bands.com. So gettonebands.com on Twitter. No, no, yeah. there's no com. No com. No, I'm bad on that. No, at, just at gettonebands on Twitter. <laughs> Don't. You'll figure it out. All right. Um, do the factories you are considering have environmental certifications? And that comes to us from Harold in Virginia. Okay. So this is a really good question, actually. And I've been hit this with this one personally a bit. So we discussed it a bit, I think, in episode one, but to expound upon it, the manufacturers that we're finding right now are through Alibaba.com, which is a way to connect global manufacturers of products with people who are looking for manufacturers to make products to specifications or something like that. So what happens is, is you type in, and I mentioned this, I think, in episode one, but to kind of repeat, we type in something similar, you know. Apple Watch accessories, watch bands, um, silicone electronic accessories, something similar to what you're looking for. And it's it's much like Amazon or something like that. You get a, a feedback of companies that have put in search terms and stuff like that to say, we make something similar. So you contact them, much like an eBay or an Amazon or another any other web service you're familiar with where you can buy and sell goods. These manufacturers have their own profile pages. Think of it like a Facebook profile or something like that. In those pages, they have some default information that's given to them, maybe like company introduction. Uh, for interestingly enough to me, and this seems very weird to me, I don't know from like American business point of view, you can see for a lot of these companies the number of products they do per year or per quarter, what's their revenue per year and stuff like that, which seems very weird for such like not yeah. relatively small, but it just seems weird. I mean, it has their revenue. You know, this company did $50 million last year, or $20 million. They did 5,000 pieces. And so some of the company profiles are very bare and those are somewhat suspicious. I guess they're not suspicious, but they're suspect. You don't have a lot of information. Right. It doesn't fill you with confidence. No, Exactly. Much like an empty eBay profile with no seller history would not fill you with confidence if you're buying something. Other companies have a lot of information, almost a drowning amount of information. So some of the companies have a lot of information with respect to safety regulations, environmental regulations, um, employee you know regulation, not regulations, but how are employees treated. And so those are usually kind of explained in their company profile. So there's no... There are certain required fields, but not all of them. And so this happens a lot with like industrial qualifications or different manufacturing standards they uphold. So 
When it comes to environmental certifications, some companies have them, some don't. So far, again, this was part of the process from the start. When we were looking at manufacturers originally, that was kind of what I went for, was looking at finding companies that did maybe uh, plastics or silicone electronic accessories. A lot of them do maybe phone cases for Android, iPhone, any sort of phone you'd imagine. They also happen to do watch bands. And so I would look and then go to their company profile and see, oh, this company has been on Alibaba for like eight years or whatever like that. You can see a response rate, which is how many emails or how many quotes they've replied to in the last 30 days, seven days. Their average response times, their capacities, their their revenue per quarter, and then as well as the standards. So from to answer that question, which was, do they have environmental certifications? Some do, some don't. For the purpose of what we're doing, I've been leaning towards the companies with the higher standards. So if they have some environmental information and industrial certification information, that is obviously something that we are keeping heavily um, in consideration. And we wouldn't really want to go with somebody who has kind of a very blank profile or does not include this information, because that seems like a situation we don't want to get into. I'm sure Harry- Harold and Virginia will be very pleased to hear that. Um, and also, we should say, just like everything else, we're kind of we, at the mercy of taking their word for it. Like, I don't know any people in the Chinese government who can verify if these certifications are legitimate. Um, and it's probably not within our means to do so. But there is like, extensive information which you can follow up on and make sure it all looks in place. And there are okay. bodies you could theoretically give calls to. And kind of there are factory inspections and stuff like that up there. Lots of information. So... You're right. It all could be forged in lies, which is a very significant thing. Um, I guess a significant issue. For the the quantities in which John and I are buying, we're not doing quantities much higher than buying bulk on eBay for a couple hundred units. You know, it's hard for us to we're never gonna make enough money to fly to China and inspect this ourselves, which I'm not I'm not sure what to think of that. I guess, you know, at what point does it become not a responsibility? But I think we can um, Alibaba has done this for a long time and they're relatively reputable and they have if you go to a lot of the pages, they have their own quality assurance team that actually goes on site and checks them. And they have like a Alibaba, like trade assurance, like kind of seal of quality or something like that. Mm-hmm. That kind of assures that, hey, one of our people on the ground in China has gone there, inspected this, and everything seems to be up to what we what they're saying here as of this oh, date. Well, that's nice. And that's better than I thought as well. So I learned something. I learned something new here. Yeah. Uh, and all right, I think that's a pretty well covering of that one. Let's just do one more question and then wrap this thing up. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. So our second and final question comes from Francisco in California. Um, and he says, how are you testing the durability of the bands? So when we got the second, so this is one of the things, actually, fun story. I'm going to side this and maybe you can have your own interjection as well. So yesterday we received the, I received the second set of bands that you had sent batch two. Mm-hmm. And we originally, we take them and we yoink them out of the bag and I start looking at them and I'm in the middle of my work day during this. And so friend of the show, Michael Phelps, who kept bringing up all week, or he brought up like Still twice this week. Still not the swimmer, Michael Phelps. No, my coworker, Michael Phelps brought up twice this week, uh, the jet black or not the jet black, the black pin issue. And I said, you need to listen. Cause we talked about you last episode. He's like, Oh, I'll listen. Okay. They kept bringing it up, so maybe by the time this episode comes out, he'll have heard the last episode. He still hasn't listened, though. No, he hasn't. As of this morning, I don't think he's listened. He just uh-huh. takes the top half and starts like shaking it, and I'm doing this sound. I'm gonna do it really close to the microphone so it picks it up. Which I think you can. It's just shaking it, and I don't know if that's a scientific test. He just says it feels. This one feels flimsier or less flimsy, and I don't remember. He said they feel good. I think his concern was. How do we test to make sure that this thing will stay on your wrist? Because obviously there is the part that tucks in, the the band that tucks in. If that broke, you'd have an issue with the band falling off your hand, and that would be the worst case scenario. Yeah. So I think we've been kind of doing some basic stress tests on that obvious wear and tear point. But do you have any other? I guess we don't really have a formal testing strategy yet. No, I would just like to. One thing I also wonder is like, I'm sure that the answer is almost infinite, like, but will my watch ever get frustrated if I'm like taking my band like these things on and off multiple times, like hundreds no. or thousands of times? It's a mechanical issue. It won't. You won't. I mean, I don't foresee you having that issue at least at the scale at which you're planning on it working with. So right. that shouldn't be a problem. It's a mechanical switch. It should be fine. Now, what you may have noticed and I've noticed is that while you're testing these, it is very easy to accidentally mispress in your pin for the device and you'll lock yourself out for five or 15 minutes which i've done twice yeah that's one thing that keeps me like i almost i want to turn my watch off i think if i'm going to do like a lot of testing i have done that as well i go in and out go like see how many times just i kind of want to make like a time-lapse video of me taking these bands on and off like a bunch of times 
think that might be kind of cool, but um, I haven't done that. And I definitely would turn off my watch if I did that because otherwise it would be a lockout disaster. So this is actually an interesting question because like, I think we talked about this maybe the first episode, but I have in my group here of testable bands, I have a third party band I bought probably in January or December. So it's been about Uh 10 months maybe now. This band is a third party band. The lugs broke about two months after I bought them. Not great. No. And so now this one, I would say was probably the lowest price one and I went cheap on it. So maybe, you know, I mean, I guess the question is, is what do you do with that situation? Like, what's the expected lifespan of a band? We've talked about, we haven't really gotten into the philosophicals of it, but I think our bands, we should be comfortable that under normal, under normal use, our band should last at least like under heavy use for six months for regular use a year. Does that seem adequate? Yeah, I think just, I mean, I would like, I would be frustrated if it lasted less than a year assuming that you're not like taking it on and off multiple times a day yeah and these ones so far seem to be in line with what we would expect for that like i wouldn't expect otherwise yeah so far so good but yeah that would agree like under heavy use you're taking your band on and off every day and you're wearing our band either every other day every other day i would expect us to have yeah at a minimum six months of use which mm-hmm. i think would be you know i mean ultimately these are these are parts of the watch that should be used and abused right like ultimately you're right using them a lot so that's something that obviously they're never gonna last forever but that would be what we'd expect i think yes so well that was awesome to have some emails and again if you want to send us a comment or thought we're happy to answer any of it our email address again is contact at tonebands.com and i think i butchered it in the first half but we do do twitter and at twitter we are at get tone bands all right well i think that that about wraps up the show do you have anything else that you need no, to uh, i think say? these early episodes are kind of anticlimactic because we don't have a whole lot of answers just questions and yeah. so i think at this point we've kind of decided we want to do a second run of the the bands we prefer out of the samples and then try a third company because if we're going to make a significant um decision here to move forward with this because i think to not get into a long aside john and i both discussed both off the show and potentially on the show we like to make multiple bands. We don't want this run to be our only run. Mm-hmm. And so finding a manufacturer that we kind of get along with and has the opportunity you know, to present really cool situations for us in the future where we can maybe make really neat bands and do different types of bands and stuff like that is an important thing as well. Mm-hmm. So I think finding a good partner is kind of important. So we think we should do our due diligence there, which kind of takes time. But I think ultimately in the long run, we'll present a higher quality band that we are more proud of. I agree. So... It maybe makes for uninteresting podcasts here early on, but I think so far uh, people seem to be not hating the show, and I think we're making good progress. And if you don't hate the show, or even if you do, it would be great if you left us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That would be phenomenal and definitely would help us a whole lot. So. I think on iTunes, just search Making the Bands, you'll find our show, and you can leave us a review. Um, I don't really know if there's any other podcasts. We talked about podcasting at the beginning of the show. I'm not sure there's any other major podcast store that has reviews or ratings does the android you we're on google play we are on google play podcast podcasts i think it's through google music i think there's a podcast section of google music okay i'm not sure of that though i've never i actually asked so um i asked a friend who's a very big android user and he never replied to that question i actually asked him like once like two weeks ago hey does anyone listen he's a very heavy android user a, does anyone listen to podcasts on Android using Google Music? B, how does that work? And he didn't respond. So I'm afraid he saw as a dig. If you're an Android user, though, you are almost by, like, unless you just have, like, a really heavy interest in Apple product. Like, yeah, you're probably you're not, not a target demographic. User. You're not an Apple Watch user. So, um, Good point. Like that was kind of a waste of my time filling in that, wasn't it? Right. That was Huge kind of a waste time. of your time. Well, we're there. For the two people that maybe in the world would care. I mean, maybe somebody has a, a day iPhone and a night Android phone. We knew it was you, Dave. We knew it was you this <laughs> whole time. <laughs> All right. This has been good. It's been a fun time, and we will do it again probably similar time next week. All right. Hopefully with more information. So, yep. Hold on. Till then, thank you, guys. Bye.